and welcome to mini episode 56 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? Before we start this week's episode, I would like to remind you that we are doing our charity drive for Ulemu. If you donate to the Ulemu GoFundMe, the link is in the description, you have the chance of winning a piece of merchandise of your choice. Ten people will be chosen using a random generator and their names will be announced on the episode on Sunday the 21st of March. So if you really want to donate, then you have until Saturday evening, I guess, to do so. If you can't donate, you're not in a position to do so, please go and check them out on Instagram, like them, share them in your story, whatever you can do. The links to everything will be in the description of this episode. We would also like to say a massive, huge, enormous happy birthday to Mobeen. Happy birthday. We hope that you have a wonderful birthday. Are you ready for some stories this week? Nope. Story number one comes from Rachel. I raised my children in an extremely haunted farmhouse. We come from a faith-based background. My dad and my grandpa were Baptist preachers. Therefore, we've interacted with the strange goings-on from that perspective. What slows me down every time I sit to write this up is knowing where to start. But today I decided to start at the end, at least for one of us. Diana attended a Bible Institute, which made it especially difficult that she kept having realistic, terrible nightmares. Every night she dreamed that she was back in the house and that a tall, dark, stocky shadow figure was chasing her. She had no doubt that it was a demon. She would wake the entire dormitory screaming out curses in her sleep. Other students would have to go into her room to wake her up to make her stop. Students started to talk about it and Manny asked her why she had so many nightmares. She told them simply, I grew up in a haunted house. Finally, it got bad enough that her RA brought a sleeping bag and began sleeping in her bedroom, hoping to quell the nightmares. Then one night in her sleep, she heard a voice saying, Diana, you need to wake up. She looked over into the corner and said that my grandpa, the pastor, he passed away when Diana was seven, was sitting in the corner of her room. He told her in a dreadfully serious tone, Diana, you need to be very careful. At that point, Diana woke up again. So she was dreaming Grandpa was there. It was then that in the corner, she saw a deep, dark presence facing her direction. She sat up in bed, screaming, waking her RA. She and her RA prayed and quoted verses together, and whatever it was disappeared. Her RA suggested that Diana pray and ask that God would help her never to have to see anything or deal with anything like that again. And so she did. After that, Diana has not experienced nightmares about the old house or any kind of hauntings. Did her grandfather visit her to protect her from some dangerous spirit? She truly thinks he did. I am of the opinion that he did as well. Sounds like a very sort of logical explanation for what happened. I'd imagine if if your relative is very spiritual, was very spiritual in in their life and spirit is still knocking about, then probably would want to intervene to save their relative or their granddaughter from being 
in a position that was very obviously very scary and traumatic. I mean, those dreams sounded very scary and dark to me. So to be able to to be going through that is probably very scary. And especially when you're off in college, probably the first time away from home, and suddenly you are the girl that screams all night, yeah. and and not in the kind of standard college kind of way, if that makes sense. <laughs> I just realized when I said that how it might sound <laughs> how it might sound, but like you don't want to stand out for all the wrong reasons. No. So that must be and that's a that's kind of doubly traumatic then if you're having these horrific nightmares and then also everyone's like, Oh yeah, that's the girl who screams all night. I think there's also an element of you're at a sort of college that is specialised and everybody there wants to stand out in their field and the field in this circumstance happens to be religion and spirituality. So I can imagine there was a lot of people intentionally or unintentionally putting that girl in a, a, a bad position about what she was going through and what she was yeah. experiencing so grandpa came back and put his foot down and put an end to it and i like it yeah and it's nice to think that whatever happens after people pass away that they could have the capacity to come back and look after you yeah whether you're religious or not you know that that's kind of the religiousness of it is irrelevant if you think okay my my loved ones are going to be looking out for me in another life and that's that's a really nice feeling i think Oh yeah, absolutely. And it obviously did the job as well because it stopped from that point on, didn't it? So You know what? Fair play <laughs> to that RA. What what's yeah. what does RA stand for? No idea. It's like um supervisor type thing, isn't it? For right, dormitories okay. or, or I think it's Residential a Residential very... assistant. Oh, is that what it means? Don't it's know. a very American college thing, isn't it? They yeah. don't have them in colleges here. But how amazing is that already getting a sleeping bag and sleeping on the floor with her? Yeah, very amazing. Like, I mean, that is that is how you look after somebody. But then I guess there's probably more of a pastoral role in that kind of college as well, isn't there? So probably expectations is to look after your people, which is good. Nothing wrong with that. And story number two comes from Mel. A few years ago, my husband and I took our two young children on a road trip from Ohio up to New England to visit family. We had just come off a few days at the beach on Cape Cod and drove down to the Boston area to have a visit with my husband's grandmother. We pulled up to her beautiful old farmhouse, which looked very out of place compared to the others nearby. It was the first one built in the area in the late 1800s and over the decades the original homeowners sold off the land to developers and a small community was built around it. We enjoyed dinner with the family and headed off to bed. My husband and I were meant to sleep in a bedroom on the second floor while there was a pull-out couch for our children on the first floor. At the time, my nine-month-old daughter was not sleeping through the night so we agreed that I would sleep upstairs on the bed with her while my husband and son opted for downstairs. There was a creepy feeling to the house. Creaky floorboards, old lace curtains, a musty smell. One entire room was decorated in a theme of porcelain clowns. I tried to put it out of my head and eventually fell asleep, my daughter beside me on the full-size bed. In the middle of the night, my sleep was interrupted by something, and I opened my eyes to see a woman at my bedside. I was startled, but surprisingly not scared. She was an older woman, dressed in a nightgown of a past era. She seemed sad and was gesturing towards my sleeping daughter. She was urging me to move her. I never heard her voice, but somehow I could hear her message in my head. 
a feeling of deep sadness came over me. She was telling me that my daughter needed to move because that was where her husband slept. She was waiting for him to return and my daughter couldn't be there in his spot. The woman was longing for her husband. I remember nodding to the woman and pulling my baby in closer to me. I closed my eyes because I couldn't stand seeing her anymore, hoping she would leave since I moved my daughter. I said some prayers and eventually drifted back to sleep. The next morning we started our long drive back to Ohio as planned. My husband is a sceptic but didn't discount my experience, agreeing that the old house had a creepy feel. Weeks later I told my mother-in-law about what happened and she shared with me that her mother, the owner of the house, mentioned to her that she would hear noises upstairs when nobody was home. That poor old ghost woman must still be waiting for her husband's return. It was a really sad story. I know, I can't cope, that's so sad. I don't normally feel sad for ghosts, I normally feel sad for the people in them or like scared and but this one has just made me feel sad for the ghost. And it must, like, if she hasn't passed over, she must be like, why the fuck, who's this baby in my bed? Yeah. <laughs> what? No. I like how she's quite accepting of the other grown woman in her husband's bed, but not she's the like, baby. <laughs> she's like, fine, okay, look, I get it, but baby, no, baby needs to move. <laughs> yeah, I. it's just really tragic and quite sad, I think. Can we talk about the room full of porcelain clowns as well? It's not yeah. really... um. Not really my jam. Wouldn't be my jam either. Like I'm, I'm not, not. I'm not frightened of dolls. I'm not frightened of clowns. But I am I, frightened of dolls. But I wouldn't be down with an entire room full of. Por- it's an odd decor choice, I must say. I am frightened of dolls. I'm very frightened of dolls. But clowns don't really phase me. I've seen it both versions, and it's not really a not really an issue for me. But the thought of lots of porcelain clowns does kind of unnerve me a little bit. It, well, I think for anybody. It mm. would be unnerving if you mm. walked into a room that was full of porcelain clowns. Very strange decor. I mean, at the end of the day, you collect what you collect, don't you? So, yeah, you play. do you. I mean, like I've told you countless times, my nana collected porcelain dolls, and like that, you'd walk into her room, and she would have a, she just had a room full of porcelain dolls, just tens and tens and tens of them everywhere on every available space in her room were just porcelain dolls. I'm so glad that that family trait hasn't passed on to you. I, I I feel like I got a lot of traits from, from that Nana, but uh, the porcelain dolls was not one of them. <laughs> Luckily for you. <laughs> Story number three comes from Dante. I'm not afraid of the dark. I've been spelunking and turned off the lights in a pitch black cave. I've been camping in the woods during new moons. I've slept alone at relatives' houses before. The only place I've ever felt terrified in the darkness is my family home, in a town just on the outskirts of Phoenix, Arizona. When I was about six years old, I had plenty of stuffed animals. I was unafraid of the dark back then, so I didn't have any nightlight or anything like that. I would often wake up to find that the toy I had brought with me to bed was gone, and I would find it in a completely separate area of the house. I assumed I was sleepwalking. It was such a regular occurrence that neither I nor my parents thought much of it. The only thing odd was that I always ended up back in my bed, while whatever I was holding was in another room. This changed when I was around eight. This time when I woke up, I was in a very uncomfortable position, and in an unfamiliar area. 
I quickly panicked as I could see almost nothing since the room was so dark. I felt in front of me, and it only took me a few seconds to realise that I had woken up inside of my very small closet, and the closet door was closed, sealing me in. My closet is one of those with a sliding door, so that meant it was easy to open from the outside, but took a bit of force from the right angle to move it from the inside. I opened the closet door, left my room and told my parents. We had a laugh about it. It was weird, sure, but as I said before, we all assumed that I was just sleepwalking. I didn't consider how I had managed to close the closet door from the inside without waking up. The next experience had to have happened only within a week or so of the last one. I woke up late at night and immediately felt cold. It was like my hairs were standing on end for no particular reason. I felt a strong urge to leave the room as quickly as I could. Since the room was so dark, there was only one thing to guide me to my door. Outside of my room was a hallway leading to my sister's room and branches to the bathroom. The light was on in the bathroom. And so, because of the colour of the wallpaper, the light coming from under the crack of my door was a pale green, as always. I followed the green to what I thought was my door, but I couldn't find the handle. I felt scared. I was getting very frantic, searching the whole wall for a handle, and the darkness seemed to press down on me. I heard my name whispered behind me. I felt the wall next to me for my light switch, but it wasn't there either. I screamed and banged on everything I could touch, still seeing that pale green light under the door in front of me. About 20 seconds later, my lights turned on and my parents entered the room. They entered the room behind me. I wasn't even close to the door. Even though I clearly saw the light, I was on the opposite wall from the door. Suffice to say, this was the time I decided to get a nightlight. Have you ever played Blind Man's Buff? For anyone who might not know, it's a game in which one person wears a blindfold and the others hide while the blindfolded person has to touch one by feeling around in the dark. I was about 13 when this one happened, and I think this was the moment I started to believe in the supernatural. We occasionally played games like this for family game nights. I was the blindfolded one in a game with my family. We turned out all of the lights and I put on the blindfold. As I was groping around in the dark, I got that same feeling of chills down my spine. I heard a sharp breath to my right. Thinking it was my older sister hiding nearby, I reached out to grab her. My hand grazed across something that was unmistakably a human face. But it was cold and felt almost wet. I brushed up against something that felt like stringy, greasy hair as well. Still thinking that I had just found my sister, I whipped off my blindfold and shouted, Gotcha! But there was nobody there. I was alone in an empty room, seconds after feeling somebody's face. The game ended there. I played it off as me getting confused so as not to frighten anyone else, but I definitely didn't sleep well that night. When I was 14 years old, I still slept with a nightlight. But then it was broken and we needed a new bulb to replace the dead one. There was no problem, I could go a night without a nightlight. I kept my door open and the bathroom light on in the hallway. 
that's the only reason I was able to see what I did. I used to sleep with a flashlight under the pillow next to me. When I tried to sleep that night, I had the distinct impression that I was being watched. To cope, I would close my eyes and count in my head for a few seconds. No more than two or three. Before opening them again to check the area around me. Keep in mind this did not work. If anything, it kept me awake longer because of fear. This time, though, I got brave. I closed my eyes and counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. On seven, I heard a sound. You know the sound of soft footsteps on carpet. I heard that. I opened my eyes and to my horror, I saw a thing crawl from the ground and onto my wall and crawl towards me. I couldn't tell what gender it looked like, only that it had long black hair and yellow eyes with a thin frame and pale skin. It also appeared to be wearing something on its back like a rug or an animal skin. I noticed a terrible smell in the air like the smell of rot. I watched it for about two seconds and then I quickly reached for the flashlight. I looked down at the flashlight to find the button and when I turned it on, that thing was gone. Only my mother and I knew this story. Until now, that is, obviously. Growing up a devout Catholic, my initial impression was that a demon had entered my home. I had a seminarian friend who was a collector of relics. About a month before, I had touched a small metal cross I owned to these relics, including a splinter thought to be from the wood of Christ's cross. This effectively made my small metal cross what is now a third-degree relic. We had the house blessed, and I took to sleeping with that cross under my pillow. Since then, I've never been approached by it, so I thought it was over. In one part of my house that we really don't use... We have one of those pull-out couches that transform into terrible beds. When we have company like relatives stay the night, they sleep in my bed and I sleep on that one. Every single time I've slept there, I've seen it again. Due to the layout of this room, it is impossible to cover the entire room in light without just leaving the ceiling lights on. Thus, my nightlight couldn't reach a particularly dark corner of said room. When I close my eyes on these four separate occasions... I could hear ragged breath in the room with me. When I looked around, all I could see was the outline of a dark shape huddled in that dark corner, rocking back and forth on its heels. I was terrified, but confident. I still had my cross under my pillow so I knew I was safe. Fast forward to now. I'm back from college because of COVID-19 and I'm staying with my parents. The first thing that I did was place that same cross under my pillow. I had to be sure. Yesterday I made a mistake. I'm stupid. For some reason I had been watching YouTube videos about ghost stories and I guess I felt invincible. I made fun of the thing, who clearly had not left when I had, as I still heard whispers in the dark. I challenged it. Nothing happened that night. Today, though, I was taking my sheets off to wash them when I noticed it was gone. My relic. The only thing that I believe has kept me safe. 
I turned my lights off and when I came back again, it was gone. I'm worried about what happens now. Clearly this isn't over and I'm trying to figure out what it might be. If I know what it is, I might learn how to deal with it. It doesn't cause the telltale ghost signs, there's no flickering lights, no static, etc. It only moves in the shadows. It's been suggested by a few people that I've told recently that it might be a skinwalker. Based on the eyes, the animal skin it seems to wear, and the house's proximity to the Navajo Nation. This theory raises its own questions though. Like how it entered my home. Until I challenged it, it never seemed malicious, only frightening. Now I'm not so sure. I think I'll sleep with the lights on tonight. And I'll be sure to update you if anything happens. Update. I've apologised to whatever it is and I don't think it worked, at least not yet. I was going to grab something from the other bathroom. And it's connected to my parents' room so I had to go through there to get it. My mother was already asleep so I quietly opened the door and planned to slip in and out quickly. I opened the door fully and it lightly hit the wall. I took one step inside and the door slammed shut behind me, trapping me in the completely darkened room. I immediately hit the light switch on the wall next to me before anything else could happen. My mom woke and was a little bit pissed off. It very clearly wanted me in the dark. I'm definitely sleeping with the lights on tonight. Now all of the lights are on except for the ones in the bedrooms. I'm in the living room watching TV and I'm not falling asleep tonight. Only 10 minutes ago I was watching TV until I felt tired and I turned the TV off. The kitchen behind me was dark. In the reflection in the TV screen, I could clearly see the thing in the kitchen behind me. Staring. Unmoving. Smiling. This is the second time I've seen it. I got a slightly better look, despite being terrified out of my mind. It looks like the thing has two small scar-like lines under its left eye. The smile it wore was terrifyingly wide, like the corners of the mouth extended to each ear. I've turned the TV and all the lights back on, and the closest dark room is behind a closed door. I really don't know what to do. Keep all the lights on forever, that's my advice. Never turn any lights off. Sleep in the blazing light. Have you seen the film Darkness Falls? No, but it reminds me of Lights Out Ghost. You know, where it just moves in the darkness and every time they turn the lights off, it gets a bit closer. Darkness Falls is a very similar premise. I can't remember when it came out, but it's... Maybe we should do it as a film review. Potentially. And it's about the Tooth Fairy. No. Like, genuinely. Okay. And then, um, like that, it only moves in the darkness. And it is... I mean, that is not the Tooth Fairy that you want to see. No, I can imagine. Absolutely not. I mean, it would be a bit of a naff horror film if it was like a friendly little... Yeah. Fairy... Like a Tinkerbell type yeah. fairy. No, no, this thing <laughs> is horrific and that's what this reminds me of. Mm. It sounds very, it does sound skinwalkery with the animal pelt because that's a part of the legend, isn't it? That that it's uh, wearing the animal pelt of the animal you want to become. But it, but I mean, the rest of it, like, why is it there? Yeah, it's very unusual for that kind of thing to be in a house. It's normally outside, isn't it? That's how we, yeah, that's where we normally see them, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's the, where the stories the stories we have normally about them being outside. I feel that I can't really think of anything more terrifying than playing blind man's buff and running oh. your hands through someone's hair that's not actually there. 
<laughs> That's not even a nice though. And Blind Man's Buff is such a good game to play. Just going to put that out there. Great game. Used to play it all the time when I was a kid. But I... Like, that is horror movie-esque. Like, that is... It reminds me of the game they play in The Conjure. I keep referring this back to films and I'm sorry, but it's the only reference point that I have. You know, in The Conjuring, they play that yeah. clapping game, but they don't... I mean, this is awful. Like, this needs to be made into a movie. Dante, if you're still listening to the podcast, can you please give us an update? Yeah, I mean... I'd love to know what's happened since. I'd love to know how big your electricity bill is as well. Yeah, well, I would keep the lights on all the time. I'd be like, I'll starve and pay the electricity bill because I'm not turning the lights off. No way. Imagine it coming across the floor and then crawling onto the wall towards Fuck you. Off. I think it's worth seeing the reflection behind yeah. you in the TV. Yeah. No. Yeah. I not... don't want to see that. Yeah, no. No, not good. No, no way. God, no. I can't. I can't even imagine. Like you, I, I can't, well, I can't imagine. That's the problem. I can see it in my head. <laughs> I think that is the problem. You can't yeah. imagine it. <laughs> Turning off the TV and then you have this horrible smiling thing behind you. Gross. Hmm. Don't, yeah, I'm not sure, not too sure of the, the wisdom in challenging these things either. I always think that Zach Bagans is a bit, bit He's a lot reckless. to answer for. Yeah, a bit reckless for doing that kind of thing, I think. I think if I was in this situation, like, I think I'd probably, there would be a point if it was like poltergeisty activity where I'd get annoyed. And I'd oh think, yeah, within like two, them doing two things, within two bits of podcast activity, you'd be swearing and shouting and telling them to get lost. As <laughs> if, I, you have such a dim view of me. <laughs> but I think if it was a creature, if I'd oh, seen yeah, no. this creature, there'd be no way I would Very be nice. Different. I'd be like, I'd be laying at a dinner place because I'd be like, you are going to eat my face off if I try and challenge you. I've seen how this goes on films. No and story number four comes from Nora. When my mum was pregnant with my little sister, she was actually pregnant with twins. I called the twins Ruby and Blueby. I was five. <laughs> One day we went to the doctor for an appointment, and I think my dad and I dropped my mom off because we didn't go into the appointment. Anyway, that day my mom found out that she had lost the twin boy. But she was so sad that she didn't want to say anything in front of me, so she didn't mention it. But in the car, I turned to her and I said, Blueby went away. Obviously no one had told me, but I somehow knew that Blueby had passed. I don't know if I constructed this memory because of the story or if it actually happened, but I do remember having a dream where a little boy was running away from my house. I wonder if that was Blueby, and if it was, it does give me some comfort but also makes me a little sad that I never got to meet him. I am a full signed up two yearly rolling subscription on this idea that we just intuitive about something sometimes and it happens with kids, it happens with adults. I am fully on board that this is probably, you know, something that definitely happened. Not that I'm questioning the other stories, but you know what I mean? I'm like fully behind this as an experience and Yeah, and I and we say this all the time about kids' intuition about things and kids just being aware of pregnancies and like weird stuff. And maybe she was in some way. Maybe little Nora was in some way like not communicating but just aware of like the aura or the presence of these babies and then was then obviously aware when one wasn't there anymore. I do think there's something about kids being closer to the void as well because they're newer. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they haven't been in this in this world very long. And you also hear those stories, like we've had so many of them where kids go, 
before I was in your tummy, yeah. I was <laughs> in the sky. Or before I was in your tummy, I was a man who lived on a farm. And they have this odd awareness of being in the womb, which I just think is really mad. It's really strange. I also love, obviously, it's it's quite a sad tone but i actually love the fact that nora came up with the name bluebie as well because it just makes sense that it's such child logic like like to, like to name ruby couldn't think of a boy's name so just and obviously twins have to rhyme <laughs> yes definitely all kids know that twins names have to rhyme <laughs> that's a great story i mean it's sad it's very sad but i do think there's something there's something to it it's like when i you know like i was obviously a bit older than a lot older than nora but i came back from school one day and we went to pick my dad up from my friend's house and my dad was sitting in a chair and I said to him oh you've broken your back and he had and there was no physical lead I had no idea that I had that information I just knew the moment I walked in that that's exactly what he'd done and he had broken his back from a work activity that's so mad that, like that always is that's just so weird like is it did you did your child brain look at him and think something's wrong with the way you're sitting but then how would you then yeah. leap to You've broken your back. It's so weird. I think it's because I think it, I, you know, I'm going to get a bit deep and emotional about this, but I think it actually served a bit of a, a deeper purpose than that because I was quite an anxious, worried child. And I feel like knew him what was, knowing what was wrong with him from the moment I walked in took off some yeah. of that worry and some of that anxiety and some of, you know. Because you know the facts, it doesn't become a bigger thing yeah. than it needed to be and if i'd have got that information from someone else i would have been worried about the implications and what that meant yeah. and all that kind of thing because that's just the nature of what it was but because i knew i was somehow calmer about it i don't know why well maybe it's your own self-preservation then your intuition literally going if i don't tell him what's happening here he's going to go on an anxious spiral and, and maybe without trying to sort of project too much onto nora's story maybe that was necessary because Nora's mother wouldn't have known how to initiate that conversation with a six-year-old, and so I feel I do feel like these things happen. Like I, it's, I, I, it's not I'm not, I'm not a believer in fate, but I do believe we get these little interventions. Maybe, and I, and I'd again like the first story with her granddad coming back to protect her. I'd like to think that the world does little interventions sometimes, or the mm. universe, or whatever it is you believe in. I'd like to think there's little interventions sometimes where it's like I'm going to make this bit of your life just a just a fraction easier. Story number five comes from Leah. One night around midnight, I had just started going to sleep. And I started hearing this faint whistling coming from outside. Now, I have some interesting neighbours, so I thought it was just one of them coming home from a night out. However, it started to get closer and closer. My driveway is quite long and secluded. It's the kind of driveway you wouldn't want to go down unless you had to. So when the whistling started to sound like it was coming down my driveway, I started to freak out. It was the same two-pitched whistle from the whistler video you played, and there was always a gap. I heard the footsteps go underneath my room, stop for a second, and then go to the side of my house where we have little cobblestones, so I could hear the footsteps clearer when they were walking on them. I got out of bed and went to the room next to me which had a window that looked out onto the driveway. The sensor light had been triggered, so the whole driveway was lit up, but all I could see were my cats. The light suddenly turned off and I started having flashbacks to the Paranormal Activity movie. 
I ran back to my room and as I got to my room I heard a loud crash under the house. Then the footsteps on the cobblestones. I started crying and running down to my parents' room to wake them up. I was 18 at this time so for me to cry was quite strange. I woke up my dad and of course freaked him out by my crying and saying that someone was outside. But when he opened the door nothing was there, only our cats. He walked around the house and still couldn't find anything. I ended up feeling really stupid and going to sleep thinking that I must have just heard the cats running around and the whistling was just a coincidence and it must have been my neighbour. In the morning I still had some suspicion so I went to look under the house and see what could have caused the bang. I found an old box of my old Bratz dolls and Polly Pockets had fallen over and gone everywhere. I didn't know what to think of it and I didn't want to sound crazy so I just kept it to myself and kind of forgot about it. I'm not sure if I did have an encounter with the Whistler or not, but after listening to the audio of it I couldn't shake the feeling. I don't need confirmation stories about Whistler activities. That that story was from New Zealand, by the way, just oh, no. in case anyone was wondering. Because I, I spoke about this maybe on Tyler is Terrified on, on his YouTube channel, where the, with the Whistler, lots of people have messaged to say, oh, it's a bird. It's a particular type of bird. And either uh, people do that, like uh, bird watchers do that call to try and like... Oh, yeah, I think it's a type of um, owl, actually. <laughs> Whoa, is it is it an owl? Could it be that it's an owl? A paranormal entity is actually an owl? Um, yeah, so, I mean, maybe it is actually a bird in this instance. I don't know. But um, is it a bird wearing boots? See, this That's is, the question. This is where this brings up a sort of deeply thought out fear of mine. And it's not a fear, actually. It's a conundrum. I'm going to call it that. Are you afraid of... Owls in boots. Yes. Um, (laughs) In that I am not sure whether sensor lights are a blessing or a curse. No. uh, Can I just say that in this house we had to turn ours off? (laughs) So I think they're really useful when you're taking the rubbish out at night because you can see where you're going. But the amount of times the sensor on our decking has been triggered and there's not been anything out there. And it starts off being really spooky and then it starts off just being, then it just carries on being annoying and then it goes back to being spooky again. And I feel like there's way too many instances like this story from Leah, like that is almost confirmation. There's something knocking about on your driveway, right? I don't know if I want to know. (laughs) We're also not really taking into consideration the fact that there are cats involved. And I wouldn't be surprised if you've got a number of cats, if they're all piled up on top of each other in a trench coat, stomping around in big boots, whistling just to mess with your head because that is the type of activity that cats will be getting on with whoa you've solved it solved it it's not owls it's actually a load of cats in a trench coat that's <laughs> that's the real tea and our final story today comes from octavia or rather octavia's sister and would you believe octavia is actually from canterbury oh i know that's her, exciting isn't that exciting her she lives in london but she her parents still live here and she comes to visit regularly oh cool octavia when lockdown is over hit us up we'll go to the <laughs> unicorn my story begins on a small street in cambridge when i was 22 years old i was at university and lived with my friends in a tall townhouse my bedroom was on the top floor it had a bed a wardrobe and a small sink in the corner of the room During our time of living there, no one else in the household experienced what I did. Generally, there was nothing spooky about the house. 
It was never quiet as there were constantly people about. We had friends over all the time and we went out drinking and partying most nights as that's what you did at university. It began about halfway through the working year when partying had calmed down a bit. It was always in the same corner of the room. Across from my bed, in the right-hand side, I would have this recurring dream. The dreams would always occur in the dead of night. I would be lying in bed exactly how it would be in reality. But in the corner of the room, there it was. It was facing me, looking right at me. It had pale, paper-thin skin, a gaunt, gloomy expression with dead eyes and scraggly bits of hair on its head. It was small and always naked, but sexless and almost had no form. The only way I can describe it is golem-like. The part that caused me the most fear was that it would start crawling towards me, but it never got any closer to me, almost as if it was chained to that corner of the room. It would pull itself along with its gangly long arms, clawing at the ground, desperately trying to get nearer. You could tell it had little strength left in its body. It would mutter and call things out, but I could never understand its language. The strangest part is I don't recall any sounds being made. There were no noises coming out of it. I could just see from its face that it was trying to speak. It clearly wanted something. It had a pitiful sadness about it, a desperation, a need for help. But I never knew how to help it. I would just wake up. This happened regularly for months and months, sometimes a few times a week. I would also sleepwalk and end up in any other room but my own bedroom. My housemates would have to take me back to bed. Walking around the house, going up and down the stairs when I was asleep was incredibly dangerous. An important thing to note is that before living in this house I never sleepwalked, and didn't sleepwalk post-living here either. Was my sleeping self that desperate to escape the room? It didn't frighten me so much after a while as I would spend a lot of nights out partying and drinking so eventually I put it down to that. Until one day I mentioned it to my mum. And this bit will never leave me. I told my mum over the phone about the strange recurrent nightmares I'd been having and she told me they were just dreams and not to be worried. My mum would visit me in the house at the beginning of term and at the end to drive me home so she was familiar with the house. My mum is extremely sensitive to spirits. She has experienced a variety of ghostly presences and feelings in her lifetime, including the house we grew up in. She would have positive and negative feelings within buildings and would often sense and see things that no one else could. But she was used to this type of presence and often concealed things from us, as to her it was best to just ignore it. When I'd finished uni and moved out of that house, the dream stopped and so had the sleepwalking. My mum finally came out with the truth, as she no longer felt she had to protect me. It was when my mum first helped me to move into the house that she saw it. She described the creature as pale-skinned, thin hair, sunken and golem-like, chained to a corner of the room exactly like I had dreamed. She felt an overwhelming sense of sadness and darkness as soon as she walked in. She didn't necessarily visually see it lying on the floor. It's hard for her to describe what she sees, as to her it's more of an image, a memory, a flash and a presence. 
She hated leaving me there, and what she experienced in that room was an overwhelming sense of darkness. However, despite this negative feeling, she never felt like I was in danger or that it would cause me any harm. If she had, she would never have let me live there. My mum doesn't talk about ghost stories lightly, and rarely discusses them with anyone. What she experiences is genuine. This is why it has always played on my mind and I would never want to go back to find out more. Thankfully it never followed me and I didn't dream about it ever again. I assume it's still there, on the top floor chained in the corner. Whatever it was, it was angry, it was sad and it needed help. Looking back I just feel sorry for it and I hope it finds peace one day. I would just like to say that you are a far more noble person than I, Octavia's sister, because <laughs> I would not be like, I feel sorry for you, Gollum. I'd be like, Gollum, I've seen Lord of the Rings. I know how this ends. One of us <laughs> is going to die in a big <laughs> volcano. And let me tell you, it ain't going to be me. Hmm. So you can stay chained to the corner. I know that's probably very cruel. And I know I probably should be taking into consideration the fact that Gollum-esque creature is very sad and looking for help. I'm not going to help you. Yeah. So other world, don't come to me looking for your help. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? If it's like an old house, if there was actually something chained there at some point. I mean, to be honest, you don't know what happens in people's houses. Particularly in the Victorian era, I feel like anything went around those times. Oh yeah, people did weird shit all the time. And the Victorians (laughs) were like obsessed with what they perceived as freaks. Yeah. Like they loved that kind of weird stuff. So God only knows. Yeah. Realistically. We'll have to get History Emporium and Pals to have a little uh, little investigation. Little dig around, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there weird similarities with Dante's story, though? Yeah. Which is, this always happens where, like like I've always said, we read these, I read these stories chronologically, so I, like, literally sort the emails oldest to newest and take them that way. And we always end up with, like, couplings of stories or really similar stories all in the same batch. Very strange. Like, we've had a lot of religious stories today. Which we, we might go weeks without having religious stories. Yep. And we have these two stories of like weird golemy creatures. Mm. That aren't particularly, don't seem to be particularly dangerous. Otherwise those people would be like dead. I don't know. I'd say Dante's is pretty, <laughs> it's getting borderline, isn't it? Well, he, didn't he say <laughs> in his story that like he, he didn't feel like it was evil because it hadn't harmed him in any way. Up until he challenged it. Oh yeah, but then, you know what, I'm not evil, but if you're going to challenge me to fight... I'll stop crying, I mean... <laughs> I definitely would start crying if anyone challenged me to a fight, I'd be like, I'm sorry, please don't hit me. Yeah, I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued by this, it's, it's an interesting story, I just wonder what they were seeing. Was it's it, hard to know, isn't it? Was it an actual thing trained in the corner, or was it like the energy or the spirit of something that felt trapped? Like a metaphor, like this, yeah. this sad. Although we don't have, we don't have lots of examples of metaphorical spirits, do we? No, but listen, <laughs> today has been a day of weird stories. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> I don't know. It's very interesting. It is very interesting, and it is like today has been a day of of stories that we have not heard the like of in a very long time. So thank you, everybody, for sending in your stories, and just to let everybody know because. People are always interested to know those stories were in for from the first week of May 2020. 
And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to donate to Ulemu if you can. You have until March the 20th to get your donation in to be with the chance of winning one of 10 pieces of merchandise of your choice. You can find out more about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can send us your own spooky story, but please be aware there is a long wait for them to be read out. We're nearly at a year now. We're trying to figure out a way around it. Don't worry. We'll get there eventually. But you can send your stories to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com and you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month you get access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.